Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Amen. Well, I'm really excited today to be continuing our Mark series. I feel like this message is really uh, special. Someone really needs to hear this. I believe all of us really need to hear this. This message, just to preface, I have never in my history of ministry, of preparing for sermons and preaching, never changed a sermon uh, structure so many times. Leading up to this, I was like, I think I'm going to lay it out like this. And then I scrapped it. And then I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to lay it out like this and talk, focus in on this. And I scrapped that. And then I went back to the first one. Then I came up with a third one. And then I went to the second one and maybe the first one. I literally have spent hours on this. And it was a lot of prayer. And a lot of times the things that you need to pray most about and you're battling with, uh, they often have the biggest fruit. There's often the miracle on the other side of the hardship or the struggle or the frustration and to be honest, that, if I'm being real, it was a lot of that. I was like a little frustrated. Man, I spent hours prepping on this, and I literally just scrapped it. And then I came back to it, and then, and then I ended up with something completely different today. But I believe that God really wants to do something today. And the passage we're reading is talking about, it's pretty unique. We're talking about healing. There's a lot of healing in Jesus' ministry. That was what he did. He had the power to, to heal, the authority in him he had was to heal. So people kept coming up to Jesus, and the word got out that he was healing people, that people were coming to him with, with broken legs, and they were being healed. People were coming to him that were blind, and they were healed, that were deaf, and they can hear. And the word got out, and so everywhere he went, there was a following, and there was a desperation for Jesus to be healed by Jesus. And the, the message that I wanted to get across, the message that I kept coming back to as a thing to highlight, because this passage has a lot of unique elements in it that I could focus on several different things, but the main thing I want to communicate today is nothing has changed, is that Jesus is still in the healing business. Jesus is still in the miracle working business. And the element that has changed, Jesus hasn't changed, but the element has changed is our faith, I believe, and our desperation for God to move, which proves our faith. Our desperation proves our faith. We're going to read that in a second. And so I wanted to encourage you today because I feel like our church needs healing. And I don't mean, when I say the church, that means the people of the church. That means the body of Christ, which are those who belong to him. And specifically Project Church, the people of Project Church, I believe today you need healing. And maybe that's a big assumption on my part. And maybe, uh, maybe you're taking that the wrong way. And you say, what are you talking about? I need healing. I believe you do. Because Jesus is in the miracle and the healing business still. And so maybe that does mean a physical healing. Maybe that, that actually means an emotional healing or a psychological healing or in the bigger sense, which we're going to read about, a spiritual healing where our spiritual connection to God has been broken and he wants to heal that by the forgiveness of sin. And so that's in a nutshell what verses 1 through 12 of chapter 2 all are, are about. And, and, it, and it all happens from the, these four guys who bring this one guy to and, and show this desperation to get to Jesus. And what I like about this is how Jesus sees this individual. 
and he just sees us different. He's, Jesus sees everything about you, and he sees and he knows everything about you, but there isn't this shame that he gives you. Because when you think, man, Jesus knows everything about you, then that would often be like, man, well, there's a lot of stuff I don't really like about my life, and so that brings shame. When you, when you know someone knows something that you're not proud of, it brings shame, but Jesus brings the opposite of shame. He takes the shame away by forgiving you. And I believe forgiveness is going to unlock healing in our lives today. The forgiveness of God, even the forgiveness to other people. And so I've, I've been praying a lot this week, like really been praying a lot because I've been, like I said, been wrestling with this message. I, I think we're in a unique season as a church. Um, I mean, our leadership team has been talking so much about how we are just in a unique season as a church as a whole for Project Church, including our downtown campus, we're, we're transitioning into a building that we are both going to be able to use throughout the week. We'll still be here on Sunday mornings and still still have a West Sac and a downtown campus. And there's just so many changes right now that I feel like the enemy is wanting to take advantage of the, the of the tr- transition and create chaos, and create confusion, create uh, create anything he can to just to get a foothold in. Scripture talks about how the, do not let the enemy get a foothold. Ephesians uh, refers to that as Paul wrote that letter to the church in Ephesus. And, and, and so at, with the result of this, I just feel like we just need to pray more. Like I was saying, a lot of times with the struggles, with the hardships, it just causes you to pray more. And I'm just kind of laughing at the enemy. I'm like, hey, well, good job. You're causing me to pray more. And that's, that's really going to that, that's great. I can't, I, I can celebrate the attacks of the enemy because, because if you have the right perspective and you see it, that the enemy is trying to get in your, in, inside your head, trying to get in between what God's trying to do, you can just recognize it for what it is and you're like, okay, well, I know Jesus wins, that we have authority over the devil and that I'm going to seek God more. I'm going to pray more. And so I just wanted to kind of have that reality of where we're at, where I see us as a church at. We've been going here for three and a half years here in West Sacramento, our West Sac campus. And man, it has been an amazing joy. And I've seen God do so many things. We've seen God do so many things. We've seen a lot of people come. Some people go. Some people come. Some people plug in, get, uh, stay and get plugged in and start serving. And some people move off to other places. But, but I feel like as a church, we are going through this season where we're kind of like picking which way we're going to go. And I believe we're called, the direction we're going is seeking more of him and allowing the spirit of God to move. And so that we're not saying, hey, this is on our strength. We're not saying, hey, look at us, we're Project Church, we're really cool. But we're saying, look at Jesus, because he is the one. We're just here pointing people to Jesus. And that's what I've been praying a lot. And I would ask you humbly to to pray for us as well. Was that like an amen from the little guy over there? Thank you, buddy. I like it. He's all in. And so I just ask that you would pray with us in this season. We, two weeks from today, we have our Easter service, and so many people come that normally don't come, uh, that would never come to church. So we have an opportunity to, to, uh, to really maximize this season, not so that we can celebrate. Look how many people showed up to church for one Sunday, but we can say, look how many souls are being saved. Look how many people are being set free, because the vision of Project Church is to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. The vision of Project Church is not to pack out a room, is to get a bunch of people and have a cool lights and have some great music. 
But the vision is to find, help people find Jesus, find the hope, find the life, find the freedom that is only found in Jesus. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we sacrifice. That's why, that's why we have a crew of people unload a U-Haul and set all this stuff up every Sunday morning. That's why we have people praying. That's why we have people serving in our kids' ministry. Which, by the way, I need to make an announcement uh, that we need some more help in kids. Um, yes, we got some, some advocates for that. And so we need, I, I was praying for six people to uh, serve once a month. If that, if that was the case. So I'm just going to allow God to speak to you. If you can serve once a month in kids and just... And just hang out with some kids and, and, and uh, be there for them uh, and, and hang out with, with some kids. I want to encourage you to fill out that card on your seat and let us know. Because the kids are the most important people in our church. Um, so, so I wanted to, to remind you of that and let God speak to you on that. Let's jump into scripture. I've been, I was not planning on saying all that stuff. Mark chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now, he was preaching all throughout Galilee. Capernaum was part of Galilee, but he returned there, and like I said, the word got out because they were all searching for, because there was a miracle, uh, follow, there was miracles following Jesus. And when he returned uh, to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And what was he doing? He was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. So these four men carried a paralytic men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus, immediately perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned them within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your, son, your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he goes above and he says, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately, that's Mark's favorite word, immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. And so they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Jesus, let today be a day where we leave here amazed and glorifying you. Today, I want to say, I've never seen anything like this. I want you to move today. And we expect that. We expect you to move, Jesus. Change us and renew our hearts. Heal us. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Today, Jesus sees four things that I, I, I notice about this. So, I, I think it's an amazing situation. I, I like to think about, like, the details of how some passages went down. So, this is a small house, and it has a flat roof. And there was actually stairs. Do we have a picture of what the house may have looked like? I think we might have had that. 
Um, yeah, so there was a flat roof, and there were stairs going up to the top. And off the top was actually kind of like a, a workspace for a lot of people, or for a lot of the people that lived in the home. And it was just a one room in the middle. So people were crammed in there. People were at the door, maybe peeking through a window. And so these paralytic, uh, the paralytic guy and the four friends trying to figure out a way. There's no way to get in. So what do they do? They climb on, they go up the stairs, and they dig a hole in the roof. Now the roof was made of uh, straw, thatch, along with dirt, and then boards. So it wasn't like an easy thing just to, to tear up real quick. This probably took some time. And so here's, here's why I said that, why I picture how this would go. Could you imagine right now, all of a sudden, like I'm preaching and I say, hey, this is what the word of God. And all of a sudden I hear something come. So I picture Jesus being like, I say unto thee, thee. What? And, and then there's this awkward time frame where he's like having to wait for him to dig out. Like, how did that play out? I don't know if anybody else thinks about these things. But last night I was literally thinking about how did that play out? And then like slowly waited for him to like, okay, this is, this is awkward. I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait. And then that just seems, seems really awkward in my place. So I would prefer that you do not dig a hole in the, in the roof here at Stonegate because we'd probably have to pay for it. And that's just not, the doors will be open for you. But I picture that and I, and I see that because a lot of people would see that as irresponsible. A lot of people would see that as disrespectful, but often what God, what people see as disrespectful, God sees as faith. As what people often, what people will look at you and say, man, you're, you're just crazy. But Jesus sees faith. See, Jesus sees you differently. Jesus sees your faith. These friends had compassion, care, concern, and they had desperation for their friends, so much that they did whatever it takes to get there. My daughter and her friend, who lives right across the street, um, decided to go off on this uh, entrepreneurial uh, adventure of starting a little uh, art shop. And so they would draw the art in, in the front, and they hang out outside all the time, and they're, they're making these arts. Some of it's like on paper, some of it's like abstract art. She made this one with like a bunch of rocks and dirt glued to it, and I actually thought it was pretty impressive. It apparently sold for five bucks. And, um, and anyway, she, they are so desperate that they're going after people. Like anybody drives by, they're yelling. I'm like, hey, art sale. Like they're doing anything and everything. Like at first they were a little discouraged. They set up their shop. They made all this, the art. And they were ready to go. They put up the sign and it was crickets. Like, okay, we'll wait, wait for them to come. And there was just nobody out. And so all of a sudden we like hear a door open, like five houses down. I'm like, hey, art sale. And they showed this desperation. And what I love about this, and they, they eventually went around and started knocking on doors. I'm like, hey, we're not doing that. But I admire that desperation in them because often desperation is what we're lacking. Desperation gets results because they could have showed up and been like, well, Looks like we can't get in. Maybe let's, let's go home. Try tomorrow. But I believe something that's missing is the desperation. Often we want something just handed to us. And we just want it so easy. We don't want to work for it. We don't want to, our faith to be tested past what's comfortable for us. Because they had to go through, man, what are those people doing? That man, that looks, people were thinking all these different things. But Jesus saw them and he saw their faith. We need desperation. The second thing that I noticed is that Jesus sees your sin. 
Anybody uh, ever notice when your kids try to hide something from you and you just totally see it like they, like you tell them like, hey, why'd you eat all the popsicles? They're like, I didn't eat all the popsicles. And they're like popsicle residue just all over. I didn't eat the popsicles. See, sometimes I, I think about like how Jesus sees our sin. There's just no point in like telling Jesus, no, I didn't do that because he knows everything. Now, most of us would think, would read that and be like, Oh, man, that's overwhelming. Jesus sees my sin, and that results in shame. But what I love about this is, is he came there to get healed of a physical, physical problem. His circumstances were paralyzed. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. But Jesus decided to heal something different. He decided to heal his sin. He decided to fix some of his ultimate healing. And if I was that guy, I think I would be disappointed. Because if I was that guy, I would be coming down, and, he said, and he's lowered down. Maybe he was like in mid, halfway down, and he, and he just says, hey, I see your faith. Your sins are forgiven. And then like this, everyone's looking. He's like, oh, cool, that's what I came here for. Like, take me back up. I'm good. Let's, thank you. All right, let's go home. But he went to the root of the problem. See, often our situation is a result of our sin. And Jesus, I believe, was highlighting this. Often the circumstances that we're so frustrated with are a result of our sin. You know, and, it's, and some of it's just really simple logic. You, you know, if you abuse drugs and you abuse alcohol, that's going to have a ne- negative impact on your body. If you're lying all the time, people aren't going to trust you. That has a negative impact on your life. If you steal and if you get caught, that's a consequence that follows that, that are with legal ramifications in place. Sexual promiscuity, that brings about shame and other psychological and even physical hurts. See, sin hurts. That's sometimes that we don't realize this. We say, uh, oh, no, Jesus has forgiven sin. But as we sin, we have to understand that hurts three people. That hurts us. That hurts others around us. And it hurts the heart of God. And so we can't have the mindset that if we stick our hand in fire, that we're not going to get burned. And sin is this thing that that we all are guilty of. But often in the church, we've given it such a blanket statement that, no, Jesus forgives your sins. So we've had this license to sin. And so I wanted to remind us in this situation that often we get ourselves to where we're at because of sin. We can't stick our hands in fire and expect not to, get, not to get burnt because sin hurts. hurts us. It hurts others. And it hurts the heart of God. But Jesus was, was taking it to the source. See, so he said, like, hey, you're paralyzed, but I'm actually going to do something better. You may not even realize it. You may not know what's best for you right now, but I do. And I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to forgive your sin and heal you spiritually, which is way more important than healing you physically. And even though he heals them physically right after that, Jesus was going to the root of the problem. This doesn't scare us, but that gives us hope because we have the forgiveness of sin, which takes away the shame. We don't have any more shame when we're in the presence of God. If you have shame about your sin, then you haven't that given that, given that to Jesus. We have to allow Jesus to forgive our sin. And if we have shame with our sin, we need to know that there is no condemnation in Christ. That when we experience Jesus, when we allow him to take our sin, he forgives it. And he says, the word of God says that he casts it as far as the east as from the west. Also says in Micah, he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't, he doesn't see it anymore. 
There's no more shame in Jesus. And so I want to encourage us to, to have that mindset that he sees your sin. He already knows about it. And so I'm not here today to bring about, to bring about shame, but I'm here to, to remind you that Jesus already knows your sin. And he's already forgiven it. He's already paid the price for it. Because at Project Church, we say this often. We says we're not about behavior modification. We're not about saying like, okay, hey, we want you to stop doing that, stop doing that, start doing this, start doing this. But our, our mission is to lead people to find life and freedom in Jesus. So we're not about behavior modification. We're about heart transformation. Because when you meet Jesus, that's where he sees. He sees your heart. And you notice that, the third thing, Jesus sees your heart. He knows everything, every thought, every, uh, everything you, you have in your heart. Just like he's, these these scribes were questioning Jesus in their heart. They didn't even say anything out loud. And Jesus just knew it. He called them out. Like, hey, I heard that. I didn't say anything. No, I heard that. You said it in your heart. How'd you do that? Because I'm God. And so they said these, questioned these things in their heart. So these scribes, they were very, very uh, educated. So they were the most educated people at the time there. They, They had to be at least 40 years old. They had to have the entire Old Testament memorized. And they had to have a formal education. And it was actually a very, very desirable position to have because they were very rich. And they made money because they started adding these laws to place. They, were, they had the wrong mindset. And their mindset, being at the, at the uh, teaching place at that home, was to catch Jesus. They didn't want to learn anything. They just heard about this guy. And they're like, hey, I, I got my... I got, I got my uh, Old Testament right here, and I'm going to find something he messed up on. I'm going to catch him, and I'm going to use this against him. And so Jesus knew right away. So these, these people were the religious people that weren't about seeking God. They were about the legalism. They were about making sure that we were performing right. But Jesus doesn't care about the, he's not about the behavior modification. He's about the heart transformation. And he saw straight into their heart. And he sees straight into your heart. He sees you in everything, every thought that you have. And so maybe you're here today with the wrong heart. But Jesus sees your heart. And he sees your heart if you're here for the right reasons. And he's going to honor that. And if you're here for the wrong reason, maybe you got dragged here today. Maybe you're here just to check a thing off the list and say, man, I went to church. He sees your heart. But he doesn't see your heart. And then he brings shame if you have the wrong mindset. But he sees you and he wants to bring you up. And, and have you experience him and his forgiveness and have you experience life and freedom in him. Jesus sees your heart. The last thing is this, is he sees your suffering. He sees your suffering because like I said, that paralyzed man was hoping for one thing and he got another thing. And then it kind of stopped. He says that the, the passage said that like, oh, uh, the, the scribes were saying, who is, who is this man to forgive sin, right? Like, who does he think he is? Um, why does this man speak like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And the scribes were 100% right. And so this is the first time in the Gospels that Jesus forgives sin. And this is a big deal because that is the full purpose of why Jesus came. He came to bring a bridge 
from us to God. He came to forgive sin and make atonement, which means a covering. He came to cover our sin and pay the penalty for sin, which is death, death on the cross. And so what he was saying as he was speaking it out, he was saying as though it's already done. You see that word for when he says in verse 9 and 10, he says, which is easier to say, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. See, that word say is, is actually synonymous with the words speaking and doing. So when he's speaking, when Jesus speaks, it's as though it's already done. When Jesus speaks something, it's the same as doing something. That's why he says your sins are forgiven and they are forgiven. And so he was looking at this and not in a chronological mindset because he had not yet died on the cross and covered his sin. But because he's God, it was as good as done. And he had already forgiven his sins. He had already paid the price for, for his sin on the cross because he, he is God and he knows the future. And he also was saying, say, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man immediately got up and walked. He sees your sin, and he didn't just die for your sin, but he died for your suffering and for the healing physically. Because Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, By your stripes we are healed. By the blood that was shed, by, the, by his stripes, by the marks on his back, we are healed. He's taken that iniquity on us for us all, and he's brought about healing not just spiritually, not just bridging the gap from us to God and bringing about a, a, a repairing the brokenness from us and God, but he's repairing the brokenness in your body. And I believe he's, he's repairing the brokenness in your, in your mind, psychologically, and in your heart emotionally. Because some of us have been suffering for too long. And I was thinking about this. I, had, I, I bought a car six months ago, and I remember looking. There's this dent in the back that's not too bad, but I don't like it. And I remember looking at it, and in my first week I had it. I said, if I don't fix that in the first month, it's never going to be a priority for me because I'm just going to think of it as that's just the way it is. Can I tell you, church, it's still got that dent in the back, and it's eight or nine months later. And I thought about that last night because I was thinking how many of us are just looking at our problems, these ailments that we've been living with, and we're just thinking about them like that's just the way it is. That paralytic man was probably thinking for a long time, this is just the way it's going to be. And he was suffering. Could you imagine that? He was suffering. And Jesus said, no, this isn't the way it has to be. And he spoke out, and as he spoke out, it was done. He said, rise, pick up your mat, and walk out of this place. And everybody was amazed by the power of God. Today, friends, I believe Jesus sees your suffering. Some of us have been holding on to a brokenness that needs repair. Someone's been holding on, been living out ailment in our physical body or emotional or psychological that, that we've just been decided that this is just the way it is. This is just the way it is. And I'm bold enough to, de- to say to you that I believe that Jesus hasn't changed. It's only our faith that has changed. And some of us need to get desperate and have a faith that Jesus can heal. And, I, and I, I, sometimes I'm challenged by this and say, man, well, this, there's so many reasons why this doesn't make sense. What if it doesn't happen? 
I want to have a desperation. I want to have a desperation for God to move like he did as we read in Scripture. I'm bold enough. I'm crazy enough. I'm desperate enough to move because if I come in and say I'm gonna, we're going, we're just gonna have another Sunday. That's not what I'm about. I'm gonna go do something else if that's my mindset and that's our heart. If we're just coming here, check off something to list. But I want to experience God, and I believe some of us just need healing today. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you, God, for your moving. Thank you, God, for this word, and I, I pray that for those that just really do need a healing, whether it be physical, emotional, or psychological, or spiritual, which is the root. I pray that you would have your way. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.